Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rebel News live stream on this, a Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. You know, folks, today is National Junk Food Day, but my co-host, she refers to it by its new name, and that would be National Edible Insect Day. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Sheila, I have to stop giving you those introductions when I have a sore throat because I think I further I know. <laughs> <laughs> I How know are you you're, doing, my friend? I'm great, but I can tell you're scratchy and your face is really red. So I think maybe we've done something to your throat and your blood pressure. But And I, if anybody was wondering, I'm not, not paying attention to David as he's talking. I was thinking... Oh my goodness, I forgot to check what is the special day today too because I don't want to give that all that fun to David Menzies. And it is <laughs> National Junk Food Day. It is Comic-Con. Uh, it is Oh, you inviting... mean the, the Comic-Con in San Diego? Yes. Should I get July the Robin 21st. suit out of storage, <laughs> Sheila? <laughs> is it back in storage? Oh, yeah. I don't feel like that thing ever gets put away to the back of the closet. I feel like <laughs> yeah. you dust that thing off more than you'd like to admit. Yeah, um, I, it's, I, I'm like Spider-Man or Superman underneath the suit. I'm wearing my superhero costume just in case I have to do the classic. <laughs> um, it's also <laughs> invite an alien, invite an alien to live with you, Day. And they don't mean like illegal alien. They oh. mean actual alien, like spaceman. Come down. Just live with me, I guess. I don't know. But wouldn't it make more know. sense for you to invite an illegal alien uh, to live? Because the way I see it, Sheila, is that if the space aliens are capable of interstellar travel, um, it's probably a pretty safe bet they've got quarters on their giant warp-capable yeah, spaceships. But it's the illegal aliens. To... You know, they yeah, need... yeah, they don't need to bum a spot on your couch. Like, I just don't think that... <laughs> Aliens who've mastered, you know, light speed travel need to couch surf. I, I don't know. It just seems ridiculous. It's also legal drinking age day. So that's fun. Um, I don't know. Racial harmony day. We need a day for that. I thought we would just get along. Take a monkey to lunch day. I feel like that <laughs> would go dangerously wrong. Um, well, and it's Robin Williams birthday. No, and in this day and age of the monkeypox scare, are they crazy? Take a monkey to lunch? We should be really keeping the monkeys behind cages, right? You know, monkeys are fantastic. Uh, monkeys are great circus acts. <laughs> Don't misunderstand David. He's no. pro-monkey. Don't send us letters. <laughs> you know, I remember there uh, back in the 70s when the CNE was on in Toronto, Sheila, there used to be a thing at Ontario Place called the Ford Family Circus. And man, what an epiphany I had about how closely we are related to those uh, simians. Because they had, I think his name was a chimpanzee called Mr. Chips. And he was used in a TV series. And the ringmaster comes out and he says, ladies and gentlemen, 
Uh, chimps that can smoke a cigar, they are a dime a dozen in the circus world. Mr. Chimps <laughs> can actually light his cigar. And sure enough, he lights his cigar on cue and starts puffing it. And then he says, ladies and gentlemen, chimps that can ride a motorcycle, a dime a dozen in the circus world. Mr. Chips is the only chimp that can kickstart his motorcycle. And Sheila, I swear to God, he hopped on his Harley. I saw this movie. Okay, it doesn't end well for humanity. We should not be teaching the monkeys these things. <laughs> yeah, we and shouldn't. all I can keep thinking is, wait a minute, isn't this where things go wrong in the futuristic yeah. Earth of conquest of the planet of the apes? You know, we, we teach, uh, the, of course, they had an excuse. There was a virus that came from space that killed all the dogs and cats on the planet. So obviously the next pet on the pecking list is gorillas, orangutans, <laughs> chimpanzees. But it went horribly wrong uh, for humanity in the um, in the Planet of the Apes series, the original one. So maybe we shouldn't be teaching uh, these chimps all these uh, techniques. They might take over or... Or are, are we to fear from artificial intelligence, uh, Sheila, like a, a Skynet, if you will? I think it's a bit of both. I think we should worry <laughs> about both. I have the mental capacity to worry about both. And in the end, who's going to be able to afford a monkey with the way inflation's going? <laughs> but we'll get to that in a second. We should tell everybody what we're doing because we're yes. five minutes into the show and we've talked about um, smoking monkeys. So <laughs> And uh, riding. <laughs> And writing. So let's get into the news of the day. So this is a Rebel News daily live stream. We're currently streaming on YouTube, but there are things that we cannot say on YouTube. For example, um, we cannot question the advice of a public health officer, mm. even though public health officers question their own advice, depending yep. on the day. Like, Anthony Fauci says one thing one day, Teresa Tam, one thing one day, uh, likewise with Dina Hinshaw, but you can't point that out because then you get canceled. Anyway, they get to keep their jobs being the highest paid bureaucrats on the face of the earth. And if a meager person like me points out that maybe they changed their mind a little too much to trust, oh, we're done. Yeah. So if we get to there, I, I think we might even be there. So I should be careful. But if we get to that point, we're going to cut the YouTube feed. But the good news is we're streaming on Getter. And we're also on Rumble and Odyssey. And on Rumble and Odyssey, if you want to support the work that we do completely willingly, you can leave us something called... A rumble rant that's their paid chat we'll read it on air and on odyssey it's called a hyper chat there's a couple different ways to do that you can use their library cryptocurrency if you're so inclined or regular old fiat currency um send us your question comment story idea whatever it is we'll read it on air and it's a great way to show support for the work that we do because we realize that Justin Trudeau is already digging into your pocket to force you to support the mainstream media. So you, you don't have a lot of money left. And you we appreciate that you choose to support us and it allows you your say. So again, unlike the mainstream media, they take your money, they close the comment section. We're doing the opposite here. We want to hear from you. And Sheila, holy coincidence. Um, look what's on the top of our list to, of uh, topics worthy of discussion. It is Who's promoting bug eating today? Today on National Junk Food Day. Can you imagine? Um, who is, Sheila, promoting uh, eating grasshoppers and maggots and um, crickets and, and the rest of them? You know, it is the people who do not want you thinking clearly, obviously. <laughs> um, I, you know, I was just talking about this with Key and K2 Simone. Uh, these people are insane. The war, I have like 
I'm that person with the, you know, like the things on the bulletin board where you're trying to connect all the lines. That's me talking about the war on cattle. And I don't want to say cows because cows are the female of the species. And it's just not that. It's more like a war on cattle as a species, um, steers, cows, dairy, everything. It's a war on that um, because it makes for weaker, dumber people. Ruminants are a magical creature. I look at these things through a Christian worldview. This is the miracle of God's design. When you see that animals like ruminants, specifically ruminants, cows, bison, sheep, goats, antelope, deer, moose, muskox, whatever, um, they take things that you can't digest, cellulose, and they turn them into proteins that you can digest, steak. And there's in all of this, there's the war on nitrogen happening because guess what's a building block of amino acids? Nitrogen. So you all of a sudden you stop producing the food the animals eat. You're not using fertilizer to uh, fertilize your hay or anything like that. And then you need fewer cattle uh, because you can't use nitrogen. And then all of a sudden it trickles down to, oh, you're protein deficient. You can't think clearly and your WEF overlords take care of, take over the world and you're too dumb and weak to fight back. So while they say this stuff is about climate change and methane and, and we're worried about that stuff. No, it's a knock on effect to create dumber, weaker people so that the elites can take over the world. And you're just sitting there entranced by your TV because your brain doesn't work properly. You know, I think you're on to something. I was, in fact, going to ask you what the unspoken strategy is, and you've just uh, outlined it, Sheila, to make us, I guess, weaker, dumber, uh, more compliant. Um, although it's so sad to see so much of the population still wearing face masks when they're young and healthy and outdoors. Um, so they, I think they're halfway those same there. People, you ask them, those same people, how much meat they eat in a week. Yep. And I think there's a direct correlation. I think that, you know, the graph is a circle there, just overlaid. And, and you know, Sheila, it, the thing is, and I, I'm really not trying to be insulting, it's just based on observation. But when I have interviewed those people who are 100% vegan, which is beyond vegetarian, I mean, they're not even having eggs or milk products, you name it, um, there are certain characteristics and it's that they look anemic. Um, there's no way they they're going to make a football team. Um, they're underweight. And I guess with the obesity rate in North America, that's maybe a good thing. But always, as they say, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And I would argue that, you know, homo sapiens, much like raccoons, we're omnivorous. We're, we're supposed yeah. to eat not just you know, the, the leafy green products. I'm nothing against that. I love a good salad as much as any hardcore vegan. But uh, as you mentioned, part of our diet should be meat-based. There are some essential vitamins and nutrients that you get from meat that you don't get from other food groups. Well, and here's the thing. I don't really care what you eat. I eat a certain way. I don't want the government to manipulate the market so that I cannot, so that my behavior is forced into vegetarianism or veganism. Our stomachs do not reflect that we should be eating a vegetarian diet. Again, that's why ruminants are magical. They have these di these stomachs that ferment all along the way and turn the things we can't eat into the things we can. My problem is this 
forcing us to eat crickets nonsense and to eat less meat because some government weirdo says that we must. For example, this article in the BBC, which is absolute garbage. I don't believe a word this guy says. The headline is, why I prefer eating grasshoppers to beef. There's no possible way. <laughs> this is nonsense. Nobody prefers grasshoppers to beef unless you're a lizard. And even then, <laughs> I want to talk to the lizards because I don't believe that either. Um, it, it, it feels to me like a little bit like tourism in poverty. Like you're tour taking a tourist view of somebody else's poverty because they say in here, for most people in Europe and the U.S., the idea of eating crickets and grasshoppers can seem revolting, but they're a popular snack in Africa and Asia. Not only are they packed with nutrients, but here's the rub. They are less harmful to the climate too. I don't believe, I refuse to believe because it's absolute nonsense that if you put a burger in front of somebody in the developing world or a bowl of maggots, they're going to choose the maggots. I refuse to believe it. This is protein out of necessity, out Sheila, of desperation and not choice. You nailed uh, you nailed it. The I've heard estimates that up to two billion people on the planet consume insects as part of their daily diet. What they don't tell you is that unfortunately, these are people in third world nations that don't have a choice, that don't have money to buy another type of nutrient. They are forced into eating these bugs. Like you just said, a T-bone steak and a bowl of mealworms. What right-minded person is going to go for the worms? It, it, it's ridiculous. That is out of necessity to stay alive. Yeah. There it is. Two billion Two the problem is we should be saying six billion people eat beef and we can help the other two billion do that too. Yeah. You know, this idea that there should be a war on, on ruminants is crazy. Vast herds of bison grazed North America. They battered the grassland with their hooves. Ooh. They fertilized the soil. They did amazing things. They're gone now. But they're replaced by cattle, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is crazy. This is absolute gaslighting. Nobody wants to do this. Uh, unbelievable. Nobody. Yeah. Um... Nobody. The people pushing this, there's no possible way. For example, do you think anybody at the World Economic Forum is turning down their prime rib for a, a bowl of crickets? Never. Yeah. Never Great in point. a million years. So as the saying goes, don't tell me, show me. So the next time... Uh, Claude Schwab has an audience, get out a bowl of bugs and start eating them and pretend if you're able to, uh, that you're enjoying that as opposed to you're holding down some kind of uh, vomitous episode in the digestive uh, process. Yeah. So I would say it's not that, you know, unfortunately, impoverished people in the third world are setting an example for us. It's how about this? Why don't we change things for those people so they don't have to eat this? I mean, I'm sure if you went out to people living in mud huts in utter poverty, Sheila, what do they want? They probably want a modest home with hot and cold running water. Maybe a, a Honda and a chicken. Yeah. Maybe a Honda <laughs> Civic in the driveway. How about that? Yeah. You know, a steak dinner once in a while. How about that? I mean, the idea 
that we are filthy consumers because we've achieved a nice level of lifestyle and that we shouldn't be elevating people in the third world to that lifestyle, but in a sense, coming down to a third world level in the name of whatever, climate change, for example, that's preposterous. I've seen studies and I, I, I just have, I'm really, over the last two years probably, I've really dug down on the issue of nutrition because I see the overlays of the World Economic Forum and I'm starting to see the big picture on all of this stuff. And instead of feeding people in the developing world crickets, why don't we give them a creature that eats the cricket? Yeah. For example, why aren't we encouraging chickens? You know, yeah. you don't even have to eat the chicken. I've seen studies yes. that eating an egg a day, one egg a day, again, eggs are super food. The right proportion of fat and protein for the developing mind of a child. Eating an egg a day can significantly increase growth and reduce stunting due to malnutrition. One egg a day by 47% for kids in the developing world. And we're telling these kids they should eat the cricket? No, we should be providing them or at least encouraging chickens. Chickens forage, they lay eggs. You really, if you have a proper habitat for a chicken, especially in some of these warmer climates, Chickens cannot be happier. They're just running around eating bugs and laying eggs. And eggs are a superfood for the developing brains of children in the de in the developing world. And yet Why aren't go, we doing that? Instead, we're saying we need to eat maggots. And to go full circle from how we began the conversation, a vegan won't eat an egg. You know, um, no. we, we, and there you just laid out the science of why, you know, an egg is so full of great nutrients uh, for you. It's unbelievable. For, we got another uh, edible topic, uh, something that's happening on the other side of the world in Japan. But before we move on, because we mentioned cows, Sheila, yesterday I'm driving along Teston Road in Vaughan, not very far from sneaky Patrick Brown's uh, secret headquarters uh, that we exposed him on. And there's a, a patch of farmland. One day uh, within a decade, I'm sure it'll be a subdivision. But that's besides the point. I saw something and I should have pulled over and photographed or filmed this. But I figure you being out in cattle country, you would know better. I saw all the cows, and there must have been about 50 of them. And they were walking in the field, single file, like how the elephants yeah. at the circus. And I've never seen that. It, it was like they were, like, what is that? I mean, why are they walking single file? Have you ever seen such a thing? Did you have a storm yesterday? It, it was getting, yeah, there was some, like, volatility in the, in the weather. So uh, livestock can react to changes in the barometric pressure, and they were probably walking sim single file back to the barn instead of stampeding back oh, to the look. barn. Oh, yeah. look. It, yeah. it's See? And look, the clouds are gathering up. So when you see this, like, for example, when I was a kid, my mom was like, uh, uh, the neighbors would call her kind of witchy because she would watch the animals to predict, predict the weather. And she was almost always right. And I now looking back, I wish I had paid more attention to what she was saying and what she was talking about instead of just thinking she's crazy. Um, but the changes in the barometric pressure, you will see animals will start walking single file back to the barn. They don't stampede. They'll just head to the barn. And uh, that's what they do. And 
that's how you sort of predict the weather sometimes. I want to apologize to our viewers because what I thought I saw yesterday was kind of like seeing a Sasquatch in the wild. I mean, I've never seen cows walk single file and twas yeah. ever thus apparently. I Shitty boy, country mouse, you know, there you go. Okay, um, on the uh, topic of what's on your menu or isn't, uh, we have a video here. Um, apparently, oh my goodness gracious, holy Greta Thunberg, Batman, Japan's sushi culture is under threat from shockers, climate change. Check it out. Everything is under threat <laughs> from climate change. Everything. <laughs> あの、春の登り方にも油が乗って昔の登り方は油が全然なかったあったりしたことやったけどね今年の登り方なんかはもう下り方みたいな感じで油はベッドにの方に変わっていますね They don't know that there's some possible way they might know this. <laughs> このまま放っておくと本当にカツオがいなくなるっていうのはだいたい予想ができるっていうところですのでこれはあの日本でいうとだし文化カツオ節から取った出しそういったもので日本料理っていうのは結構成り立ってるんでカツオがないとなるともう
No, I agree. And by the way, Sheila, um, I see they were talking about sushi, sashimi, you know, those uh, staples being threatened. But when it comes to wasabi, um, would we really be that bad off if wasabi disappeared? I, I have a female friend a few years ago. I like it. Well, I'll tell you, uh, in moderation, correct? Because she had this big, you know, dome of wasabi on her plate. And she thought it was something like lime ice cream. So she took a big heaping spoonful of it because it's it's green. It looks so nice. And um, she went screaming to the restaurant <laughs> like her head was on fire. So, you know, I guess wasabi, uh, you know, we have alternative hot sauces on standby if that disappears. But anyways, but yeah, you're right. There's um, my theory that green things are trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yep. From the Incredible Hulk on down. Um, but you raise a good point, Sheila, because there's a blip right now in the fishery in Japan. Um, we if it's been for a year, a couple of years, what have you. I, I saw the projection there looking ahead to 2050, uh, even looking ahead 30 years from now, almost. That is just a blink of an eyelash when it comes to geological time, you know. A year, a decade, a century, that's nothing. And things come and go. And I mean, in the province you're living in, Sheila, can you imagine tens of millions of years ago, dinosaurs roamed Alberta. It was a tropical grassland. So, you know, this idea that- A hundred years ago, buffalo roamed the plains. There you go. These millions and millions of buffalo roamed the plains. They're gone now. They've been replaced by cattle and agriculture. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Um, last year was a terrible crop for hay, a year for hay. Today it's booming with hay. Things change. Uh, it, fish uh, follow the ocean currents too. They're subject to, you know, how warm the water is and how cool the water is. That's where they end up. Um, so things change. What do you want me to do about it? Yeah. And because <laughs> there's one bad season, it's, it's just how people, you know, conflate weather with the environment right. and climate. And right now, everyone's pointing to record hot temperatures in Europe. Aha, see, the jury's out. Uh, the jury's in, rather. Uh, climate change is real. This is an example of the climate emergency, the climate crisis. No, we've only had accurate temperature forecasting for 300 years. Now, three centuries might sound like a big deal, but it's not. Again, I go back to what I said. It's a blink of an eyelash in terms of historical uh, temperature keeping. So there you have it. And uh, I, I feel bad for the fishermen. But is it fishermen or fisher folk? I know the liberals fisher want folk. us to call them. It's what's fisher it called? folk. Remember fisher, fisher folk. <laughs> I think it was 2018. They started what was the name of that them. guy? <laughs> I don't know. What an idiot, though, standing up in the House of Commons saying fisher He's folk. the liberal MP for Woodbridge. Yeah. And even when he Big was saying. Big fishery out fish- there? What's that? Big fishery in Woodbridge. I think it's landlocked, actually. If there's any bridges in Woodbridge, it's over a stream or a pond. (laughs) But it was so funny, folks, because we did a piece on it. And even when he's trying to be politically correct, I think three times he flubs and has to apologize for using fishermen instead of fisher folks. That's how unnatural that word is, even for a woke liberal uh, member of parliament. Unbelievable. But, um, well... Let's also. I think oh, we have an we ad have, break. Pardon me. I think we have an ad break. That's right. right. Now. Yes, we do. 
Adam Sos here for Rebel News. You know, our company is growing quickly and we'd actually like for your company to grow too. That's why this ad space that I'm speaking through right now is actually available for you to purchase. So instead of people listening to me, they could actually be learning about your company, learning about your business. If this interests you, if this is an opportunity you'd like to capitalize on, send us an email at ads at rebelnews.com. Wow, I mean, talk about beef. It looks like our colleague, Adam, he's really beefing up. He must be hitting the gym. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of buffaloes roaming the prairie. <laughs> well, maybe if he ever comes back out east, maybe Adam and I should get into the squared circle and uh, uh, so I can learn him the ropes in case there's a beckoning career for him in professional wrestling. Like, I know anything about that other than being a viewer. <laughs> But uh, no, uh, a and, and by the way, Sheila, as an update uh, to your excellent reporting and Adams too, I believe um, regarding warning labels on Canadian ground beef, they're backing away from that, are they not? Yes. Thank yes. God. For once, public pressure and the lobby groups here actually did their job. I think uh, it's not the Cattlemen's Association anymore. They went woke too very recently. What? I think it's the Canadian Cattle Association. They've dropped the Cattlemen's Association. I don't know how many female ranchers were upset about that, um, but they dropped that. But anyway, that aside, they actually did their job by putting pressure on the Ag Minister and uh, the CFIA and the federal government. So. There you go. A, a victory indeed. Sheila, that, that example of wokeism makes no sense. You know, so you're telling me they went from the Canadian Cattlemen's Association to the Canadian Cattle Association. So that suggests that it's actually an association of cows and not They're the people. Up. We have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, that do the animal the husbandry. <laughs> right? I mean, why wouldn't they go Canadian Cattle Person Association? Because at least that would be more accurate. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I can't imagine that any lady ranchers were mad about this. No, whatsoever. As, as and when you have female anglers, they don't care if you call them fishermen. They, you know, and, no. and the CBC has an even more ridiculous term. I think they're called fishers, which you know to describe both male that's and that's an animal. A weasel. That's a bird, isn't it? No, it's and a weasel. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Speaking of Patrick Brown, no, that's a segue for another. <laughs> no, I see uh, Pierre Polyev is in the news and he is one of the politicians who is not afraid to talk about Tamara Leach. That would be our homegrown political prisoner. Uh, yeah, that's how it works here, folks. Uh, if you have wrong thought to the liberal government, you are incarcerated. If you murder uh, an ally and partially blind another one, you get an eight-figure check. That would be Omar Carter, of course. Funny how these liberals work, isn't it? Um, but do we have some video on Pierre Polyev? Yes, we do. So let's see what he has to say about Tamara Leach. What's your idea and opinion about Tamara Leach? I was a former political prisoner in Iran, and it is hard for me to see that Tamara Leach is behind the bar. As a prime minister, what would you do that make sure that Canada doesn't have any any political prisoner? So, first thing is, as a prime minister, I will not control who goes to prison because I am not responsible for uh, making arrests or 
making judgments. Police and judges must make those decisions. The last thing you want is a country where politicians choose who goes to jail. Because then, uh, can you imagine if Justin Trudeau had that personal power? would be a disaster. So I can't, uh, I'm not going to tell you who's going to, what kind of sentence anyone is going to get because it's not the role of a prime minister. That's the job of police to lay charges, for crown attorneys to prosecute charges, for defense lawyers to defend the charge against the charge, and for judges and juries to, to deliver uh, uh, verdicts and sentences. Do you consider that the situation against Tamara Lich is unfair? Again, I'm this. I am not. I'm. It's not my, my role as a personal aspiring, as an aspiring prime minister. I don't make those kinds of judgments. Thank okay, you may I give you Thank this you to you? Thanks so much. No, that's why. Make Canada fine again. Kind again. Thank you. Make Canada kind again. Again, yeah. I, well, I believe in kindness. That's for sure. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks, you, guys. You well, what do you make of that exchange, Sheila? Look, he's not wrong when he says that the prime minister should not have the power over the courts and the police. But the follow-up I would have liked to have heard was, that being said, uh, you should not be arrested for peacefully protesting your government, and we need to examine the use of the Emergencies Act immediately because it was too quickly invoked. Um, and the treatment of the people arrested under it has been um, unfair. And um, I've, I don't really know what the word is, but... Um, you know, when you look and see, I was looking this morning because I was, uh, interviewing Roman Babber for Ezra show, which is why uh, I have a appropriate attire on for television today. I try to look nice when I do Ezra show, uh, <laughs> mine, I can sort of just slum it, but Ezra show, it's another story. Cardinal Zen. Cardinal Zen was arrested by the Chinese police. He's the Catholic Cardinal from Hong Kong. And he's been an outspoken uh, critic of the Chinese state and the communist government. He was arrested by the communists and released on bail later that afternoon. I think a couple hours later, after he was arrested by authorities in Hong Kong. He was out on bail quicker than Tamara Leach. And he protested the communists. Tamara protested Justin Trudeau. That is what, that's the problem here. Tamara, fine, they charge her with mischief, but her incarceration has been absolutely disproportionate and yep. political. And I don't think it's controversial for a conservative who wants to be in charge of the country to say that. You're so right. And um, Sheila, let's not forget the reason, the apparent reason for the incarceration. She was getting the George Jonas Freedom Award at a dinner in Toronto uh, last month, uh, I was there as well as Ezra and other members of the Rebel News team. Uh, and what harm did she do? She got up and she made like a half hour long speech. It was unbelievable. There she is. And um, w w did she ever make a call to violence? Did she ever make a call to protest? Like, come on. Precisely uh, the opposite. Yes. She calls for peace, constantly calls for peace. You know, and she talked about. You know, the one resounding thing she said, Sheila, that, you know, stayed with me was she talked about how if you look at a chihuahua, right, pretty much totally dependent on human care in terms of feeding, giving it water, giving it shelter. And yet the chihuahua is 98 percent of a DNA match with the great noble wolf, right, 
who is free and doesn't need any help from anyone. And I guess the point she was making was that, you know, those of us who cherish freedom, the way it can be taken away from us, the way we can be reduced from wolves into chihuahuas is actually quite frightening. Now, how is that considered hate speech? She said many other things, none of which were hateful, none of which was even urging people to demonstrate or protest or start a convoy. But for some reason, her being at that dinner, uh, she was amongst other undesirables, I guess. It is an outrage, Sheila. It is an absolute outrage that this woman is behind bars. And I would say, you know, when Pierre Polyev was talking about the prime minister shouldn't be the decision maker in terms of influencing courts and police, I would say we're already there. I would say Justin Trudeau does influence or tries to influence both uh, justices and uh, police agencies, law enforcement agencies. So uh, I think we've already hit that odious benchmark already, Sheila. Not only that, the crown prosecutor in this case is a donor to the Liberal Party of Canada. <sighs> and not just an incidental donor, like a $17,000 high-value donor yep. that gets invited to exclusive Justin Trudeau events. Yep. These are invite-only for your best and brightest. So we've got a problem here. And again, I agree. We don't want the prime minister meddling in the independent court system. But unfortunately, that's not what we have here. We have a political incarceration. And so I want to hear someone who's campaigning to be the next prime minister of Canada say, um, clearly, we've got a, a problem with her being a political prisoner. There are political ties to the people involved. Her treatment is disproportionate. The law used to lock her up was disproportionate, should never have been invoked. We need to look at all those issues and all those issues can be addressed without the prime minister sticking his hand directly into the courts. A hundred percent. And also, I'm not trying to make this about me, but look what happened to me uh, back in December when I was on a sidewalk hoping to scrum uh, Justin Trudeau and I was manhandled uh, by his Royal Canadian mounted henchmen um, and... I am sure, Sheila, uh, the reason for that, because they know who we are. I was there with Lincoln J. Uh, I have the Rebel News mic flash out. They know we mean no harm. And um, I am positive. We'll never be able to prove it. And we have our first uh, court appearance in regards to our civil suit uh, in September that Trudeau saw me and he told his thugs, give him the works. You know, I'm tired of this SOB embarrassing me by shouting questions from a distance uh, that are impolite, you know, and you can see the the video coverage there. Uh, also gave me COVID uh, that night, probably something else we <laughs> can't uh, prove, but it was uncanny, the timing, because you sent along that article from mainstream media, re- ranging from the CBC to the National Post that indicated that half of those they thugs had COVID. folks- yeah, Half of those thugs were COVID positive and they got right into my grill and I had been healthy without anything, not even a headache for more than two years until that encounter. Uh, Again, you were out for like six weeks. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, it really it really didn't number on me. So um, that's my theory, uh, Sheila. And if that isn't an example of the prime minister um, 
tainting or influencing law enforcement. I don't know what is. Just for context, because this news broke uh, yesterday. Uh, I guess I'll go back a little. The trucker who killed 16 people and injured another 13 in catastrophic ways. He was released on a thousand dollars bail. Jesus. The driver of the truck was given. uh, So this is, I'm going back to when he was initially charged before he was convicted. He was given after uh, killing 16 and injuring another 13 in Humboldt. He, after he blew a stop sign and drove into the Humboldt Broncos team's bus as it was on his way to a playoff game, he was released with just a thousand dollars bail. And now after serving less than three years, he has just been granted day parole. So when I say that Tamara Leach has been treated disproportionately, I cannot stress that enough that he was released on a thousand dollars bail. And sure, you know, he's been absolutely remorseful. I don't think he intended to kill anybody that day, but 16 people are dead and 13 more had their lives just torn apart and all their families too. And so the harm by his actions caused in the community, I think far greater than anything Tamara Leach ever did. And he had a thousand dollars bail. Unbelievable. And, and Tamara, (laughs) her bail's been denied. Unbelievable. And Sheila, I believe that there were maybe seven family members there to give victim impact statements, urging the parole board not to let this man free. And I guess there's no empathy, is there? I mean, I understand some of these people were breaking down in in tears uh, because of what happened to their loved ones. And um, nope, uh, let's not, I guess, deal some cruel and unusual punishment to this truck driver. Um, Meanwhile, look at the cruel and unusual punishment for those who lost their lives and those who are permanently disabled. Um, I really question the empathy of those who sit on parole boards. When you can hear those family members speak and they're breaking down into sobs and you go, yeah, he deserves a second chance. What about the second chance for all the victims? There is none. Yeah. Well, and like I said, clearly he didn't intend to kill anybody. I think this is a, a terrible, terrible disaster for him and for the families. But proportionality counts here, given the harm caused to the entire country by his actions. Yeah. Tamara Leach, what did she do? Street parties, cleanups, feed the homeless, yeah. offer people hope. Yeah. Uh, you know, and she, she languishes in jail now, denied bail because she took a photo with somebody, a three-second interaction. Yeah, in front of it, her lawyers, by the way, it, it's amazing. And I gave the example earlier of uh, Omar Carter becoming the next uh, Lotto Max winner without even having to buy a ticket because of hurt feelings and that the liberals envisioned themselves for the first time ever and the last time as fiscal conservatives, <laughs> meaning it would cost far more to fight this in court. Uh, it, it is I sometimes I really question what this country is becoming and in such a rapid pace, Sheila, and we can basically uh, trace back the awfulness to the year 2015 when these Justin Trudeau liberals got elected. We really can. It's Just, been 
that short a time frame. Petty, vindictive, yep. and crooked. That's that's what this government is. Uh, we should bump ahead because we've got a few more things to talk about on the list. And uh, Olivia and Efron went through the trouble of putting these things into an, a list where yes. <laughs> we should follow. Uh, if from CBC, 37,800 people sent privacy breach notifications linked to Newfoundland cyber attack. And this is related to Newfoundland and Labrador's largest health authority uh, being subject of to a cyber attack. About one in every 13 people in the province had their health records accessed in this. Um, and it includes patients along with former and current employees of the health authority. And uh, this is only going to get worse mm. because you've been forced to provide all the data about yourself to everybody you've come in contact with lately. If you are somebody who would provide a vaccine passport to your bartender, who's protecting that information now so that you could go get a drink? I mean, it just, and we know that the public health agency of Canada, not only were they paying TELUS for your um, location data, TELUS was backdating it to 2019 so that they could, compare then to now to see if you were being COVID compliant with restrictions. There are others, other companies, another one called Blue Dot, where they were finding, they were providing the Public Health Agency of Canada information about whether or not you had traveled near and around a retirement home. I bet you didn't know that. Blue Dot was paid for your information. They never asked you if they could provide your information to the Public Health Agency of Canada. You were never compensated. So when I see stuff like this, I think, okay, all these other companies now have your information. Who's protecting your information now from cyber hackers? Or do you just get a letter from the government saying your privacy has been breached one more time? Yeah, you, you know, a couple of things, Sheila. I once interviewed a computer expert, and basically he said, if you can build it, meaning, you know, a database or whatever, it can be hacked, period. It, there's someone yeah. smart enough to get through the most extensive firewalls and password protections. But where I look about this, this Newfoundland Labrador case, that's a cyber attack. I guess it's somebody uh, maliciously getting in. Uh, folks, Sheila uh, recently posted a superb piece. She just mentioned uh, TELUS. you got to check that out because... That was the government coming to tell us and saying, uh, we'd like uh, the records of all your um, uh, users. We want to see their personal whereabouts in the last three years. And TELUS didn't say, oh, no, 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 uh, we're, we, as much as we'd like to comply, uh, we take privacy very seriously. No, TELUS said, you name it, both. Here you go. Uh, this is where everybody was. This makes my blood boil, Sheila, because this wasn't a cyber attack. This was the government asking uh, for this information. And by the way, is it even legal what TELUS did and Blue Dot, for that matter, the idea of giving information, personal information, uh, without the consent of their customers? Do we know that? It is. I don't know. And it's worse than that because not only did they turn over your information to the government, they profited from it. Tell yeah. us, sold your information for $200,000 to the Public Health Agency of Canada. I have no idea what Blue Dot's been paid. We filed for access 
for that contract. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be more because Blue Dot was even more comprehensive about what they were providing to the government about you. They were able to show like where you had been within your municipality, if you had been near a place that where vulnerable populations would be like uh, hospitals and nursing homes, if you had crossed the border, if you had moved from your health authority to another health authority zone during the day, they gave that information to the Public Health Agency of Canada. And so it makes me wonder, how is this any different than the unauthorized breach of what of the Newfoundland data? I guess... I don't know, the government didn't ask for it, I guess, is the only difference because the outcome and the effect on the person whose privacy is breached is all the same. And and Sheila, usually the phone companies, when it comes to this, the sharing of information, personal data, what, you know, what have you, for example, they're very strict about it. If you were to call your husband's cell phone provider, you being his wife and saying, I need to know, um, when he made a call, I need to know what his bill amount was for. You're not getting it, even as his wife. They're right. going to say, sorry, your husband uh, has to get on the blower and give us his permission to give that to you. So how is it that those rules in terms of privacy go out the window when the federal government comes calling on TELUS? I don't understand that. A privacy has been the, I think, one of the largest casualties of COVID. Yes. Um, because it breaching your privacy has become completely normalized. You have to show your flight attendant your vaccination status, or you did up until very shortly. You used to have to show your bartender, your gym, the recreation facility yeah. worker. You had to show them your medical history before they could pull the lever on the draft keg and serve you up a pint. It's so uh, yeah. the government normalized this. I just don't know how it, they can be mad at cyber hackers when they've been the biggest hackers of all. That's a great way of putting it. And uh, to me, this is on TELUS because if TELUS had a little more ethical substance, they would say, um, make us get a warrant. Yeah. Uh, take us to court because we said they turned it over and said the government a bill. Yeah, because the reason why we're in business is our customers and a understanding that they their personal information is protected. Instead, they turned it over. They they cried uncle without getting, you know, a pinky finger put on them. And as you said, uh, they took their their cut. I wonder how is how is Telus going to get out of this PR nightmare? Because that's what it is. And. And in fact, dad insult to injury, Sheila, as I understand that the CRTC is giving the cell phone operators in this country, that little ogolopoly that we have, um, the right to increase rates yet again. We are amongst the most screwed over cell phone users in the world. And by the way, all those people that say- With the worst coverage, by the way. Yeah. Unless, if you live out of a major municipality, your, your coverage stinks. I Absolutely. mean, you have better cell service in India, in like the rural portions of India, and it's because of competition. Exactly. Anybody can start a cell phone company there. There's no uh, limits on how much bandwidth you can buy. Yep. Um, and, and that competition and that ability for other people to get into the marketplace has made everything infinitely better in other parts of the world. And it makes 
it's so expensive for Canada. Like you're saying, David, we're one of the highest cell phone rates uh, to the consumer in the world. Yes. And Rogers went down last week and nothing worked. Oh, yeah. Nothing worked. None and of our Sheila, systems worked. Let's not forget, and I'm going to poke a big hole in this argument, what the, what the telecom providers, what they say is that, well, we're a huge country. We're the second biggest country in the world with a relatively small population, 38 million and change. And that's where the costs come into effect. Ah, but wait a second. I believe the figure is 90% of Canadians live within 100 miles of the U.S. border. Okay? So in other words, our population is very dense and compact. It's that long line of, as I said, 90% of residents within 100 miles. And also, Australia is a very, very big country with a very small population. Guess what? The Aussies don't pay what we pay, folks. Not a chance. This is such a screw job. And I just think in light of the TELUS privacy breach, in light of Rogers screwing over this nation two weeks ago uh, with their systems that came down, we still don't have a, a real explanation why that was. Um, their way of doing a mea culpa is to raise your, your rates you know, what chutzpah, Sheila? It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, there was a report out in October that says a new report by a Finnish telecom analyst shows that Canadians pay more for cell phone service than anyone else in the world. Wow. Prices in the Canadian wireless market continue to be the highest among the highest, highest among the highest <laughs> in the world. Um, and, and getting it was higher. Done by... Yeah, a Helsinki-based research firm. Um, it Who's the worst? Uh, Canada, South Africa, Israel is the cheapest. Um, there are places, yeah, New Zealand, that's a very sparsely populated, spread out, mountainous yeah. place. And we remain more expensive than them. Iceland is cheaper than us. You want to talk about difficult topography and a sparse population while well, there's Iceland, Finland, Slovakia, all those places are doing better than us. Norway, Sweden, uh, again, Cyprus, Bul Bulgaria, Brazil, like this is embarrassing. Lithuania, Estonia, well, the, Estonia is a tech sector place, but um, Russia, again, uh, all these places are doing far better than us. Um, and the excuses they give just aren't good enough. Yeah. And Russia, of course, would be uh, numero uno in terms of country size. Uh, we come in second. And um, I guess that leads into this story. Uh, well, uh, uh, we have an ad break. Pardon? Oh, another ad break. break. Well, we got to pay the bills. We do. Love it. You know, I'm not going to name the retailer, but the other day, Lady Menzoid was at a big box superstore and she was wearing some of our less than flattering Justin Trudeau uh, paraphernalia on her uh, person. And lo and behold, the uh, clerk that served her was completely simpatico, 
absolutely hated Justin Trudeau and gave Lady Manzoid a discount, <laughs> a, a contractor discount on the stuff she was buying. So here's an example, folks. You wear your politics on your sleeves and uh, you might make new friends. You might get your financially incentivized. <laughs> What's that, Sheila? The T-shirt's. The T-shirt's paying for itself. Oh, absolutely. Easily. Several times over. So there you go. Uh, don't be shy about it. Uh, say it loud. Say it proud. Uh, it doesn't have to be a rainbow, folks. It can be an F. Trudeau <laughs> hat or something like that. But uh, And uh, wear it before it becomes illegal to wear it. And if you think yeah. I jest, uh, believe me, once they get done with the internet, I'm sure uh, Justin Trudeau will uh, consign some fashion police uh, in terms we'll, of what we'll slogans. only be allowed to wear Pride Parade stuff, like yes. only rainbow cowboy hats and yes. stuff like that. You yeah. got it, you know. Um, and I noticed we we plugged this uh, painfully high <laughs> inflation rates will remain, according to the Bank of Canada governor. Um, well, knock me down with a feather. Uh, does that surprise anyone? And I, do we have a video on this? Uh, we, we do? Okay, let's check this out. There, there's no way around it. 8.1% inflation is, is painfully high. Uh, we do expect, we know gasoline prices came down in July. So a month from now when StatsCan publishes July inflation, it probably will come down a bit. But Look, unfortunately, inflation is probably going to start with a seven for the rest of the year. Uh, it is going to be painfully high. There, there's no way. Around. This is cutting into my monkey budget. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sheila, I was at the supermarket on the weekend and I was in the produce section. I couldn't believe the prices. Uh, I hadn't been for a while. And I came across... A $3 cucumber in season, right? We grow cucumbers in Ontario. And I came up to the produce manager and I said, you know where you can stick this $3 cucumber? And he said to me, oh, I do, sir. The problem is I already have a $4 zucchini in that place. Anyway, what I'm saying is that these prices are outrageous. And don't take it out on the staff at the supermarket. No, uh, don't but, do that. Don't it, do that. It's not their fault that <laughs> Justin Trudeau is terrible and printed money like it was just nothing. Um, but it, we, I think your cucumbers are probably double what they are here. Oh, is that I, I wonder how that happened. Yeah. But but I, in many Mexico. cases, <laughs> and, and you know, to Mexico, I think. <laughs> oh, and Sheila, it's the same in the U.S. And in both cases, these are self-inflicted wounds by the federal governments. Uh, we have left trillions of dollars of mineral wealth landlocked because we're anti-pipeline. Same with Joe Biden. He took a country under President Trump that was exporting energy, exporting it. It was energy self-sufficient for the first time in decades uh, he stopped the um, allowance of um, uh, drilling on uh, federal land, you know, getting leases for that, stopped fracking. And as a result, the U.S. is once again energy dependent. And you see the pathetic spectacle of essentially President Biden on his knees begging the Saudis to up uh, imports into the U.S. And the uh, I, I mean, I can't imagine for, for the first time I'm kind of on team Saudi Arabia in giving uh, Biden the middle finger. But, you know, 
it comes down to energy as being a real big reason why we're having these out of control prices, Sheila. Well, there's also this. Let's bring up this article from Blacklocks because while families are being crushed by inflation um, and the federal government saying, we don't know how it happened and don't expect us to do anything about it, they are playing a major role in it. And this is outside of carbon taxes and then raising the carbon tax and printing money and not uh, building pipelines that would drive the price of oil and gas down because it would bring supply up. Um, they're doing this. So they raised the price of certain food items that everybody needs. And they did this outside of the things that they were already doing to drive up the price of food. So a federal agency, the Canadian Dairy Commission, that walks down the street holding hand in hand the, with the dairy cartel last February 1st, raised the wholesale price of milk by 8.4%. Guess who that hurts the most? The poor. Yep. Um, and then the wholesale cost of butter went up 12.5%. I believe it. I am went to, I'm constantly, like every time I walk past the dairy case, I throw two salted butters in. And uh, like it went from around four and a half bucks to like six bucks in the last year. Um, they, uh, the commission stockpiles butter and cheese. This is the despicable part. They stockpile butter and cheese to artificially inflate the prices. Well, Sheila, this is why I hate the cartel. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because you know what? I grumble when I throw that $6 butter into my cart, but there are people who are choosing less nutritious, crappy margarine instead of butter. Yeah, because never, they don't, they can't afford this. Never eat margarine. Margarine. I mean, uh, what does it say? I, I say this what as it, a canola producer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you call it an edible oil product, that there's something wrong. But those commodities you mentioned: cheese, butter, milk. That's all milk. dairy. Dairy, as well as eggs, chicken, and turkey. These are all supply managed commodities in this country. Go back to the origin of supply management. And once upon a time, uh, Sheila, I was with a food service trade magazine. I, I wrote a factual feature. It took six months of my life in terms of the research. This was pre-internet. So I had to do it the old fashioned way with microfiches at the central library. Oh my goodness. But I actually won an American Business Press um, award for this feature, uh, which is kind of unheard of for a small Canadian trade magazine to win. And it was on the history of supply management, which was, by the way, brought in by the Pierre Trudeau liberals at the time. And it's basically a Soviet-style um, economic system where you keep supplies artificially short and prices high. And it should be abolished. We should ask of our farmers to be competitive, to be innovative, to sell their products on the world market. It all comes down to quota, Sheila. It's a complicated system, but without getting into the weeds, as I did in the article, you will find in Canada that owners of dairy quota, for example, are not farmers. They're Bay Street lawyers, for God's sakes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stockbrokers. They're not even using the quota. It's, it's something they can bargain with, trade with, sell. It is a perverse system that would be more 
in tune with the Soviet Union of the early 70s than Canada of the early 70s. And I can tell you, in the early days of supply management, it's hard to imagine. Do you know, Sheila, that Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants were closing early because they had no chicken? They ran out of chicken and there was not enough quota for the chicken farmers to raise more chicken and to do so without the quota would be illegal. How does this make sense, right? So that's one of the reasons you see, what was it, 8.4% increase? That's outrageous. Yeah, and 12 on other things and 12 on other things. Just think about families who are struggling and you're denying them the most nutritious thing they need, right? Yes. Uh, and to say that it's not doable to get off the quota system, New Zealand just did it. New Zealand has done it. They phased yep. out their dairy cartels. They don't have food cartels there. There are ways to do it. And I, I sympathize with dairy farmers and poultry farmers who have been forced into the quota system yep. because now you're stuck with this expensive quota. You've got value tied up in it. There are ways to unravel the system so that your asset, this quota, isn't rendered completely stranded to you. There, we have to look at other countries who have done this. And actually, let me hint at something. Um, I have an interview with Roman Babber today where he talks about this, yep. about how to make life more affordable. I have not heard him speak out against supply management before. So I was very interested to see that he is bringing up policy proposals on this. And he has looked at other places. Instead of just saying, I don't like uh, supply management, it's the worst. It makes life more expensive for people. He's also looked at the other side where there are farmers who are saying, yeah, I, I really don't like the system that I'm shoehorned into. Also, it prevents innovation. Um, but how we've got money tied up in this asset. What do we do with it? He's looked at that. So um, anyways, if you want to tune into the Ezra Levant show tonight, guest host me, um, we talk about that. And, and Sheila, uh, uh, one quick anecdote. It's, it's almost as ridiculous as KFC stores closing early because they've run out of chicken. But when I was doing this research in the early 90s, I came across this incredible anecdote. It didn't make the story. But this shows you the folly of a supply management system based on quota. And it was a farm in Ontario that was raising or they were hoping to raise free range organic chickens, very high end product. And what they said to the supply management quota masters is that we don't have the extra quota to do this and we can't afford to get any more. But every single one of these chickens, every single breast and drumstick is destined for U.S. export. This is a high-end product that is not going to affect the supply one ounce in Ontario or Canada in terms of extra chicken on the market. It is all export. And guess what? They were denied. No quota, no raising chicken, no export to the U.S. market, no enriching yourselves, and no filling a customer demand in the United States of America. How does that make sense? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's it. Like I said, it prevents innovation. There's a reason why you go into a U.S. supermarket and you just look at the glory of all the cheese there. Yeah. <laughs> and you come to Canada and you're like, OK, so I have cheddar, white cheddar, uh, mild, marble and old. And that's it. Maybe you might get a smoked Gouda, uh, but that's it. And you go to these other places of the world and there's just so much selection and you'll pay for it. You'll yeah. pay for the for the different qualities, the different styles. But you, there's just no mark. You, there's no wiggle room in Canada to do that anymore.
Thank you, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Sheila, um, I see Mrs. Producer doing this, which either means we yep. got to wrap it up or that I'm going to uh, get to the chats. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We, oh, and we have some. The bit of both. <laughs> you know what? It works both ways. Let's get to the chats and then we'll get out the door. Okay. We've got things, and uh, you have a you have to use the studio also. Uh, Shauna Marie G eighty three gives us five bucks. I had my doubts already, but that was confirmation I needed for Pierre Polyev to lose my vote. We need a prime minister who will stand up for freedom no matter what. Maxime Bernier for prime minister. You know, I I, I think Polyev is really good at thinking on his feet, but and I've been impressed with uh, his handling of questions, but he flubbed that one. Yeah, he and he was. He answered it correctly, but he left out the second part that Canadians want to hear. He did. I, agree. I mean, it is correct. It is correct. We don't want the prime minister meddling in the court system. But when things have gone awry, you need to fix that on the back end. And there was no talk of that whatsoever. I agree. Melba, Melba Toaster gives us five bucks. Is Polyev <laughs> also going to defund the other 762 media outlets? Or is it this CBC campaign slogan, just journalistic integrity theater? I think he has come out against media subsidies for all. I know yeah. Roman Babber has. He mentioned that today also. But I think uh, Polyev has come out against funding the media in any form. And it's not just a financial matter, Sheila. It's an ethical and moral matter as well. How can media outlets, how can the watchdogs accept funds from the biggest entity they should be keeping their eyes on? You know, as our boss says, uh, the watchdogs have become the lapdogs of, of this government. It is completely unethical for a journalistic organization to accept money from anyone aside from its subscribers uh, because it is a conflict of interest. So I think that would be a win for uh, Mr. Polyev. And I'm sorry if they say, oh, well, boo-hoo, you know, the industry's changed, everything's online. I'm sorry um, if you were making horse and buggy wagon wheels uh, 120 years ago, would you be decrying the rise of the uh, horseless carriage, the, you know, the motorized vehicle, because it's going right. to put you out of business? Things change. Change your business plan and survive on your own as opposed to sucking from the taxpayer teat, for God's sakes. Well, this goes back to my comments about the glory of European cheeses. Yes. Government intervention prevents innovation. The government intervening in the business model of the Globe and Mail prevents it from getting better yeah. and doing something different. It stagnates it and they remain awful and getting worse. Another example, Sheila, is Bombardier. How many times yeah. can they fail? Because they're like the high wire act at the circus. Uh, if you know there's a net uh, below you, uh, you can be a little more cavalier with your act. But if you know it's hard concrete there, you better get it right. Um, but again, uh, their motto seems to be, well, we're going to try really hard. And if we get it wrong, that's OK. We'll be bailed out by the taxpayer. That's their business plan. And that's wrong, too. You know, I was just looking because I remember reading a story about Bombardier and their ATVs, which I think is the only profitable side of that company. Um, the Can-Ams, the ATVs. So they make a good product as far as ATVs go. But I think the Can-Am ATVs um, are made outside of Canada at this point in Mexico. Yeah, their ATV assembly plant is in Juarez. Mm. 
And now there's two um, Juarez plants that assemble the side-by-sides and the regular quads. So this Canadian company, Canadian company getting all the taxpayer subsidized money, the only profitable side of their company actually manufactures their vehicles outside of Canada in Juarez, Mexico. So that should tell you something there. And, and by the way, Sheila, correct me if I'm wrong, did, did they, does Bombardier still make the Skidoo or did they sell off yeah. that division? They do. No, I think they still yeah, oh, okay. I think they still do. I thought they Yeah. All right. I stand corrected. I'm going uh, to I'm going to look into I that. I don't know. Yeah, look into it. I just know that uh the Can-Am side I'm more consumed with the quads and the side-by-sides and I do know that they don't make those in Canada. Um I thought for a time maybe they made them in the United States, but now their manufacturing facility is in Juarez, two facilities. Jeez. Um then we Yeah. Uh Adam Ottawa gives us a buck. Millions of customers didn't have access to their money for a day. Where was the media asking Rogers for answers? Where is the media now? Still no answers, but we know what shampoo Justin Trudeau likes. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, ArriveCan app wasn't working that day either, which caused absolute chaos in the airports. But um, it's fine that we still protect the market for the likes of Rogers so they can get rich off the backs of Canadians while providing awful customer service and awful coverage. Great. And I very quickly check, yes, Bombardier still owns Skidoo. Uh, are the Skidoos made in Mexico, Sheila? And if so, is there any place in Mexico you could use a Skidoo? <laughs> um, I also missed um, a whole pile of chats, Olivia reliably informs me, so I just shuffled up and sure as heck I did. Okay. So we've got King King 7734 gives us a buck. Someone should let Rebel News know that Comic-Con called they want their geeks back. <laughs> Well, believe me, I uh, I had my share of them at Anime North uh, Toronto. You can catch that on our website or the Rebel News YouTube channel. The angle, folks, was that it was the most oppressive vax and masking regulations I've ever seen. S- stuff that was even beyond what you would have seen at the height of the pandemic in late 2020, early 2021. And uh, the sad thing was uh, the various geeks and nerds that were attending Anime North yeah, no problem. Completely indoctrinated. Even if they were wearing a mask, they had to have another mask, a paper mask on under the plastic mask, which would be giving you actually more protection than the paper mask. Unbelievable. Science fiction, David. <laughs> <laughs> science fiction. That's what all of this COVID stuff is. It's science fiction. Uh, Adam Ottawa gives us a buck. I went to the local grocery store, grocery supply today and picked up 1,200 plastic straws, 1,000 grocery bags for trash, and 40 styro cups. I'll be doing that every payday until they run out. Take that, Greta. Mom's out there. Am I crazy? I My kids throw out the cutlery around here. I don't know. I think they clear their plate before they put it in the dishwasher and just uh, off goes my great cutlery. I have these like they have barbed wire on them because, you know, I live in a log house and I live on a farm. But I've reverted now to just going to the dollar store and buying spoons and putting them in the drawer because I can't trust my children not to throw them out. And so <laughs> now I, I've got teachers and Justin Trudeau saying, oh, we want zero waste lunches. Um, so don't send any plastic spoons on their lunches. My stuff just gets thrown out faster then because the kids throw it out at school and they come home and just throw out another spoon. Wow. Why can't I just, I feel like throwing out my metal spoons is worse for the environment accidentally than intentionally throwing out a plastic spoon. 
Sheila, I got to hand it to you. Barbed wire cutlery. I've never heard of such a thing. You really are anticipating a home invasion at some point, aren't you? It just has like barbed wire detail. It's from Cabela's. It looks okay. great. Um, <laughs> uh, Sojourner gives us a buck, except for a limited group of grasshoppers, locusts, insects are not kosher or halal. So Jews and Muslims would be hooped. Um, oh, that's yeah, interesting. That's true. Yeah, they do say um, uh, people with shellfish allergies have to be very careful of eating bugs. Um, and if they're putting this these bug proteins in your regular food unwittingly as a new ingredient, you really need to be wary of that. Because if you have a shellfish allergy, and that can be catastrophic, anaphylactic, um, you would not want to be surprised with that one in, as you're eating your regular potato chips that they've all all of a sudden dosed with bug protein for some reason. Wow. I did not know that. Interesting. Yes. Uh, Fraser, um, I, I'm told to proceed with caution here because we might have to cut the chat because of YouTube. So yesterday we met up with Kara McKinn as she traveled across Canada bringing light to the harm of uh, a medicine. It's too bad <laughs> Rebel did not cover the story, but it will be on other sites later. Say we didn't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, like this is a big country with 37 plus million people and we do keep an eye to things, but we don't always, you got to tell us. Uh, tips at rebelnews.com. Too bad this story did not get the recognition it deserves. Um, that medicine has caused problems. <laughs> That's paraphrasing. <laughs> This reminds me of Harry Potter, you know, that whose name we cannot mention. <laughs> People could read it for themselves. Fraser also gives us a buck and says, have you seen the interview on CNN with the founder of the Weather Channel? Yes, I have. Um, I enjoy him. It's a laugh fest as he stated the fact there's no such thing as climate change. He's great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shauna Marie, G83. It's an old old, old interview um, because they never had him back on again, obviously. <laughs> uh, He's being canceled. You can, find it on, you can find it on YouTube. It's like years old, but it's fun. Uh, Shauna Marie G83 gives us five bucks. Um, I will not eat bugs, period. These demonic bureaucrats getting off watching us peasants eat bugs. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah, you know what? I get that vibe too when they are all of a sudden putting bug protein into other things that never had bug protein before and don't require any additional protein added to it. Like why would you add it to potato chips? Um, but it's turning up on the labels and you wonder what kind of creep shows are enjoying thinking about other people accidentally eating bugs against their will. Just a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. Um, Paul Otto Newman gives us five bucks and says, remember the Chris Evans movie Snowpiercer? There's a, a, a series, actually. They made a series of it now. So you don't have to watch the old movie. You can watch the series now. Where the plebes in the back of the bus or the train were eating bug bars while the elites at the front were having steak and champagne. Such a perfect allegory. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Completely. Um, and then Fraser gives us a buck. Yesterday at our meeting with Kara, I wore my new Trudeau Castro t-shirt it was a smash hit excellent i noticed on, there was uh, a there was a consonant missing from the word shirt um <laughs> I I filled or it maybe in. it was intentional <laughs> i filled it in um it's uh but if you want that shirt it's at rebelnewsstore.com yeah and it is flying off the shelves sheila yeah 
Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm ashamed we didn't think of that shirt sooner. <laughs> I, are we all caught up now, Olivia? I think I've met up my, with myself. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. You've met your supply managed quota of uh, super chat, Sheila. <laughs> so there you go. Great. You shall not be given the opportunity to say one more uh, super chat because you'll be in trouble with the supply management people, the intellectual thought department of the Justin oh, Trudeau uh, The dairy farmers are going to email me after today's show. For <laughs> I, sure. oh, oh, I know they will. I, <sighs> I, I got thrashed back in the early 90s when that article came I out. I feel bad so, for them. Yeah. I feel bad for them. Yeah, I, and I, I, I support our to... farmers. I love our farmers, but, you know, well, we set our piece on that. And we anyway. must run. Uh, so thank you to uh, the team behind uh, the window there, uh, Olivia, Efron, and Danny. And uh, thank you to my co-host, uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed, always a fountain of information. And uh, thank you all to everybody who gave a super chat. We don't take the money involuntarily out of your wallet or purse. Uh, we ask and you give. It's the most honest way of fundraising. So thank you so much. There'll be two other Rebel News employees here at 12 noon Eastern tomorrow. And as always, folks, always remember, stay sane. I will now outline in more detail how we see the economy and inflation developing, and will then explain our assessment of financial and monetary conditions. So, economic activity is slowing.